If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulations. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hey, would you guys be up for helping me celebrate something? Uh, this month, this month, uh, February, this marks the 23rd anniversary of Jubilee Church. Could you guys just like, man, it's like, that's awesome. I know the rest of you will do it later. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Um, we are in a series called Relationship Goals because relationships are just a massive, massive deal. If you were to think about uh, the thing that brings you the most joy, it probably involves a relationship. If you were to think, that, think of the thing that causes you the most pain, that's also probably a relationship. And so relationships are a big deal, So, and we want to do them well. In fact, they are the hub of, of ministry at Jubilee Church. We're not built around uh, programs, per se. We're built around people. So uh, we are a church uh, not with community groups, but of community groups. So those are the hub of how we see ministry happening and getting, getting people together and then the gifts that God gives them. And as the Holy Spirit moves upon them, begins to minister to each other in really a hundred different ways. And so we want to say, okay, let's, how do we do relationships? And there's a few things uh, that we want to take a look at, goals to have in relationships. So last week we talked about being quick to listen and what? Slow to speak. Slow to speak. And some of you, you know, exercise that. Uh, because in every, every, and this is why, it's not just so that we can, you know, we do want to be better at relationships, but what we found out that it's even bigger than that. Because in every interaction that you and I have, that I have a rightness, there's a rightness that I'm after, and there's a rightness that you're after, but there's a third rightness, and it's God's. God has a rightness. And typically, if we're honest, our rightness, we, we want to be right at each other. But God's righteousness, he wants us to be right with each other. And so he, he went to the cross to, to reconcile us to God, but also to reconcile us to each other. And so we took a look at that. So he's like, okay, we got to get rid of all moral filth. You know, we want to come into our relationships with this I'm right jacket. We need to take that off and be willing to be quick to listen and slow to speak, key goal in every relationship. Uh, and so today's goal is to let love be genuine, which is really, really relevant because one of the things that defines our culture now just as much as anything is the desire to be authentic, to be real, to be organic, no sugar added, you know, don't give, you know, give me the label, this is who I am, you know, you be you, genuine. And this started, I don't know if it started with my generation, but you know, Generation X, we are known for not what we are for, but what we are against. And what we were against, which is what modernity created, created a processed veneer world, and we demanded labels be put on stuff, and, and we demanded, um, you know, we rejected that line of thinking, and uh, we, we wanted things to be authentic, we wanted things to be real, and um, you know, we celebrated the artist in the movie, not just a football star, and so like, we made movies like that. And we believe that being different is a good thing because that is real, that is authentic, uh, that is transparent. Now, what Gen, Gen Xers was like a little trickle of that thought, 
But now it's like with millennials, they've expanding it to a rushing river, celebrating authentic, or excuse me, individual expression and being authentic. You know, you be you, don't pretend, uh, don't settle for what is not uh, genuine. And I would say, generally speaking, this is a great thing. In fact, probably the only problem I see with it isn't that it's gone too far, but actually it's not gone far enough because we have this strong desire for things to be authentic and real in, in every area of our life. I mean, like, again, I mean, like half the stuff I ate when I was a kid is now illegal. I mean, we don't want any of that anymore. Like we, 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 we contend for what is real in every area of our life except one. Uh, it's love. Like we don't want to, pro- we don't, we don't want, we want authenticity in every area, except that we will accept, you know, a veneer, fake, mass produced kind of love, plastic kind of love that falls apart on even low levels of stress. That's why today's relationship goal is found in Romans 12, let love be genuine. And, and this has um, several aspects to to it. I think it's important to say that, you know, in Romans 12, so Paul in Romans 1 through 11 is, I would say, at his best, just explaining what the gospel is over chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, explaining what the gospel is. And then in hinges in, in 12.1, it says, okay, now this is going to affect how we live. It's going to affect a lot of things, including our relationships. And so he says, let love be genuine. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, again, he explains that in six different ways. And one of those ways is taking a look at the negative in interpretation of this text. So this is the positive interpretation, let love be genuine. But if you read another translation called the New American Standard Bible, it says it this way. Uh, we show that next slide. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, the simplest definition I can come up with that's hypocrisy is hypocrisy is pretending. And the Greek word is it was a, it was a word that came from theater, which meant to wear the mask. Like you, you, you pretend to be somebody uh, that you're not, pretending to be somebody different. And it reminds me the first time when I, when I met Rachel, it was kind of one of those, man, who is that kind of moment? Got to meet her. So pursued her, pursued her, pursued her uh, for like a year. And it didn't go well for, for me. Uh, I don't know. She, just, she never really closed the door for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if she felt sorry for me uh, or what, but um, she won't tell me the truth anymore. But... It, but um, it was about a year in when I was making some progress. I was finally making some progress. And I found out that she uh, had these two cats. And now I don't like cats. And I, like, if you, you may be a cat person and I don't judge you. I just ask that you don't judge me, okay? And so I wasn't a big cat. It was a small incident when I was younger with a friend's cat. It did, it, anyway, it scarred me. And so I, anyway, so I wasn't a cat guy, and, and, but I remember one day she's like, hey, do you like cats? I'm like, I love cats. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm thinking about getting some cats myself, to be honest with you. She's like, that's amazing. So I'm going out of town for three days. I would like you to watch my, my two cats. And I'm like, sure. Now, and I never really prayed about the relationship until then. I, I prayed about like, God, are you sure? And um, because when I looked over to those three cats, it was the most miserable three days of my life, to date. Like there still hasn't been a more miserable day because to carry on this charade, I had to act like I knew, I couldn't ask her how to take care of cats. I had no idea. I didn't know what a litter box was. I didn't know that you're supposed to, you know, pay attention to that. And, and these cats were really meant to be outside cats. And they weren't really, they had, they, they had all their claws and they clawed everything and they, they made a mess and, 
And uh, she's like, how did it go? I was like, it was amazing. It was, I can't wait. I mean, I just love cats so much. And, uh, but what I found out, and you probably figured this out in your life, is that if, 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 if what I discovered, if, if she was ever gonna like me, like the real me, um, I was gonna have to be honest with her about how I felt about some things. And here's what's true. In every relationship, if you... If you're someone who pretends, it will be impossible. It will be impossible, not difficult, not hard. It will be impossible for you to ever, ever receive love because what you'll think, any kind of affection shown your way, you'll just think they love the pretend you and not the real you. And it'll actually drive you further and further and further from people when you're not, when you pretend. And so what the Bible is saying is like, we've got to put an end to pretending. Genuine love does not pretend. To pretend that everything is okay when it's not. To pretend that to have the marriage that you have that you don't. To pretend that everything's going well with your kids. Everything's going well with my finances. Pretending that you don't struggle with any sin. You know, I just kind of, in fact that you are, and you just kind of pretend, 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 pretend. And the Bible says that you and I cannot afford to play that game. You and I cannot afford to play the game where we understand uh, the externals of a changed heart and then begin to play out those externals, even though what's going inside of us isn't really that. We can't do that. We have to be genuine. We have to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. And there are two very important reasons for that. Number one, the world needs to see this. Um, we are becoming, as a culture, more and more self-righteous, meaning that our sense of I am okay is based upon my sense of performance. So this thing about being genuine and authentic and I am who I am and you be you, we, we are more and more becoming a culture that, is, that gets its rest in who we are based upon how we perform. And so we are becoming more and more touchy more and more sensitive about being anybody judging us. And the world needs to see a community of people who their basis is, the basis of their affection for each other is not based upon performance per se, but it's okay. This is an aspect. We're gonna get to the other aspects, but this is a deep aspect of this. And I mean, I, I joined a gym uh, and I'm still going. By, by the grace of God, I went yesterday it was shoulders and tries and buys and yeah. And um, I just needed you to know that for some reason. And so we, but anyway, I go to Planet Fitness. Now, come to find out, Planet Fitness is one of the fastest growing chains in, in America right now. They have quadrupled in the last five years. And, and one of the reasons why they've quadrupled is when you go into that gym, it's all over the walls. This is the judgment-free zone judgment-free zone, no critics. I mean, they have all these dumb rules about it and everything, and, but, that's the, but that's why people flock to it. Now, and I think probably the two most judgmental places in, a, in America are probably gyms where you feel the worst about yourself. In church, I don't know, like one of those is like, I walk into this area and I feel, I feel judged. And the, they, they've, they've created this environment where you, don't feel judged. In fact, this is what it says. This is our mission statement. We, we are in a mission creating welcoming, non-intimidating environments, which includes what they call a judgment-free zone. The second thing is, is your soul needs this. 
Your soul needs to find a place of rest where you can truly be who you are. And that's why we wanna do this in our community. When we gather together in community, we wanna be able to cross the line of shame. So there's a kind of relationship where you come in, you're like, hey man, like my hobby's going well and job's well, family's great. You know, yay, the chiefs. And you know, here, let me show you some good stuff about my kids. That's, if, all, if your relationships are like that, it's pretending. Are you willing though to cross the line of shame. I've got, I've got, I've got a lot of debt. I just, and it's really stressing me out. And I just need you to pray for me. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to talk about that addiction that you have when that would be a nightmare if anybody, because what you're thinking is if, if the people in this room knew what was really going on in me. They wouldn't love me. Of course they, you think that because you think that they like to pretend you. And so it just, and then, and then it's just, you just slide further and further away out of community. Can we cross the line of shame? First John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, that is, hey, nothing's wrong in my life. Two, two things. This, we're talking about being genuine, right? Okay, we deceive ourselves. So that's, that's not being authentic. And the truth is not in us. So we, by, 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 never, by never admitting that there's stump, something going on in you, you are moving away from being a genuine person who gives and receives love. Now the good news, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, see is in the light, here's my life. It's open for others to see. Maybe not everyone, maybe not everyone, but some, a few, we can have fellowship with each other. There's, there's, there's love. We can connect. And, and, here's a, and here's something that's really important that will we'll play out as we continue to talk this morning. Is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So there's not, it's not just, hey, look, I'm, here I am. But there's, there's a reason why we want to bring things out in the open. Because there are two camps. There are first camps like, hey, this sounds great. I, I think being honest sounds great. You go first. Uh, if you go first and then you know, I'll go second. Uh, some of us are just scared to death of this, absolutely terrified. And you're just like, you, know, you don't even want to look at the person next to you because you just don't want them to know that this is touching you. But, but this may be the point that you need to really take out of today. There's more aspects. But some of you are like, yes, man, I have no problem telling people, you know, here I am, world, deal with it. Like, um, but that... Being honest is not all that genuine love is. In fact, there's something else that he says right the next that's really important to couple together. It says this, it says, let love be genuine, abhor, have a strong distaste for, be horrified by what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So just real simply, and you probably heard, hold fast to what is good is that, is that can we go back there? Hold fast to what is good is to, like we really want to hold on to uh, the person, love the person, but we ha if love is going to be genuine, then we have, to, we, we have to develop a strong distaste for, be horrified what is evil. And this is what's, what Paul is trying to say here is the most shallow, empty, weak kind of love, if it's even love at all, is the man or woman who sees a brother or sister in Christ in sin or dangerously close to that and says nothing and does nothing. 
I mean, if you're a parent, that's not how you, I mean, my kids were younger, like Simon, if he's running around the house with scissors, you know, like we, we, we that's not, we, we chase him down if we can catch him and like, no, you can't have these scissors running around the house. Like when Josie was, was younger, like we put a, we eventually put a lock on the, on the, underneath the sink. We didn't like let her like chew on a bottle of Drano and just hope it works out okay. Like look, empowered woman making her own decision. That's great. Like, no, we didn't do that. We're like, no, 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 no. You don't drink Drano. But tell me that is not the game you and I play. Seeing, well, that's just their decision. Is it? I mean, it is. But if love is to be genuine, if it's not to be this veneer manufactured thing, you speak truth to that person because you love the person. The scripture says, no, genuine love will grieve over what is evil, that you and I would love enough and care enough to say, no, look, the Bible says this, but your life is like this. Can we get coffee? Can we talk about this? Can we have, can we, there's this issue going on that I want to address. Which is why, which is why in, in talking about the line of shame, like we, we have to have things settled in our hearts, which is that the righteousness that you and I are going after is not a righteousness of our own, but it's a righteousness found in God. And if we, if we have that righteousness found in God and it's not our own, we're okay with that. When you come to me and you speak truth to me, my sense of self is not in me, it's, it's in him. So, so I'm done pretending because he's perfected something for me. So I can be honest about where I am and I don't need to see you speaking truth in my life as something that is threatening to me. In fact, here's what I would love. Here's what I would love for all of us. I would love for us to see someone speaking truth to us, not, as, not to see that is I am wrong, but that you are loved. Being human is a sign that you are wrong, that we are wrong. That's our confession. Our confession is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of course, there's going to be times in your life, probably daily, where you're not going to live up to God's standard. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So let's be honest about that and let's not get freaked out if someone was to ever speak truth to us. It's not a a sign of them saying you're wrong. It's a sign of them saying that you are loved. Now, there's a good way and a bad way to do this. And I've seen them both. I've done them both. And there's a good way and a bad way to receive this and then there's all this stuff about Jesus say, hey, you shouldn't judge and da, da, da. And how's that intersect? And we're going to spend the entire, all next week, that's all we're talking about is how to do this well. It's important. It's critical, I would say, for us to have genuine love for each other. Not a veneer, not like hey, everything's great, like a real authentic love for one another has to happen, must happen, cannot love each other unless it does. So we'll spend all of next week talking about that. We got more to talk about. Verse 10, number three, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. It's the idea that you and I should have feelings for each other based on, on the fact that we are family, that we are family. This is two Greek words, uh, philistorge, which means like this real affection for each other that's like one-sided and doesn't require reciprocity. But also it's Philadelphia, love for brothers and sisters. It's, it's like we're family. 
which means that you're okay like the people that you're in communion with don't have to be the people that you would choose to be friends because that's, you know, that's what your family is. Like you didn't, family is such that you wouldn't, the, <laughs> your brothers and sisters aren't people that you'd actually choose to spend time with, in other words. However, there's a deep bond that you feel for them. Like I would, I would terrorize my brothers and sisters, but I wouldn't let anyone else do that because there was a bond, a deep bond, a bond that, it, because of the fact that we're family, that, that we are we in, but you and I being in the family of God, that we're just not, we're not just, we're not just family because of birth and blood, because the blood that we share is much thicker and much deeper than a biological passing. It's, it's his blood. It's what he's brought us together. And that bond, in a sense, should be stronger than our, even our natural brothers and sisters. He says that's a part of genuine love, which means that we come around each other and we care for each other and we love each other. I'm going to skip, guys, to the end of, of verse 10. There's more to it. It says that we should seek to outdo each other in honor, that genuine love honors everyone. Uh, our love, uh, it will be genuine when we understand. So what this means is that we'll understand that there is a value in every human being. So there's a, there's a, generic, there, there's a, there's a sense to where every human being on the face of the earth has value because every person is an image bearer of God and that we would seek to honor people based on that, but also that we would, but when you take it into the family of God, brothers and sisters, again, that the value that God has put on them is that they, God died for your brothers and sisters in Christ. The value of your brother and sister in Christ is the value that you would put on the spilt blood of Jesus. And so there shouldn't be competition in the church except in one area, and that's in showing honor. I'm gonna... I'm gonna show, we're gonna show honor to each other, which means, which means that you're not so much concerned about the honor that's being shown to you. Like, how come no one ever recognizes me? How come no one ever does? How come no one ever? That's not what you're thinking. That's not genuine love. Genuine love does not think about how they are being honored. They're thinking about, I wonder if that person feels honored. I wonder if that person feels honored. I wonder if that person feels honored. I'm gonna go make sure that they do. We honor we honor, especially the ones that seem to be the weakest. Ellie Sinazero so helpfully reminded of this last August when she spoke out of 1 Corinthians 12 and, and, and talked about, uh, you know, as we were launching J Friends, you know, there are the parts of the body that seem less honorable or they're, they, they are, they're hidden. And those are the ones that we need to make sure that we show the most honor to. And this is going to lead to a, a kind of community uh, that's going to be... Um, rich in a lot of ways, one of which it's diversity. Uh, check out what Paul says in uh, Colossians 3. He says, in here, we're, we're, there's not Greek and Jew. We're not divided by our race, circumcised and uncircumcised. We're not divided by that. We're not barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. We're not divided by our, our politics. We're not divided by these things that the world tends to divide people into different groups. Well, how does that happen? Here's how it happens. He says this, but Christ is all, meaning what draws us together, the thing that's number one in our life, the center of our life, the reason why we have this deep, deep, deep unity is because our number one is Christ. And there isn't a close second. 
So because we share our center, because we, the, most, the most important thing in our life, so there's running around, Christ is all, Christ is all, Christ is all, Christ is all, Christ is all. But not just that, check that out. What else do they say? Christ is in all. Christ is all and Christ is in all. So genuine love reckon, in a community like this recognizes that Christ is in everyone and that's worthy of honor. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna honor. Every believer has that. And so we wanna honor. We wanna show honor to all, up, down, and all around. Verse 11 and 12, he continues, do not lack diligence in zeal, be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, patient and afflicted, an affliction, be persistent in prayer. I'm gonna sum all these commands into one, not because I'm lazy, uh, but because they go together. And this is, our love should be this. Our love should be diligently optimistic. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it though. It should be diligently optimistic. I do not lack diligence and zeal. I'm gonna be fervent in the spirit and how we minister to each other, how we serve each other because our hope isn't in ourselves. Our hope isn't in the person that we are ministering to. Our hope is rooted in the promises of God. That's what's going on here which means there's never circumstances so difficult. Because here's what happens in the church. We're, we're, we're 23 years old as a church. I've been, I've been a part of this church um, for 22 of those mm-hmm. and leading for 15. And a little math there, bear with me. And so we, um, and we've, a lot of great things have happened. But let me just be honest. From a quantity perspective, I've had more disappointments than things that you would say are success. Because, you know, if I pour my heart into 10 people, I don't know that I'm going to have better than 50-50 odds. In fact, it's probably lower than that at some point. It's encouraging, isn't it? Genuine love for a community of people is diligently optimistic, which means that we don't get worn down because you will get worn down by each other because they won't live up to your hopes and dreams and expectations. And then when you try to help them, they'll bite you. They'll speak ill of you. But genuine love is diligently optimistic because our hope is not based in each other. It's not even based in myself. It's based in the promises of God. God says that pain may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In Isaiah 40, he does not grow faint or weary. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, but young men will fall exhausted. But those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When someone is being afflicted severely, we can come along with them in patience and perseverance and prayer, knowing that God works out all things for good for those who love them. And so this evil, dark situation will turn good. We can be persistent in prayer, knowing that God loves us to pursue him. He loves us to seek. He loves us to draw near. Um, 
From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's faithful love toward those who fear him and his righteousness extends even toward our children's children. So his love is for me, it's for my children, it's for my, it's for my grandchildren. Uh, Psalm 27, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will fix my eyes upon God because he is my refuge he will, and he will not let death overtake me. So yes, I am very optimistic in my ministry here, not because of our 23 track record, but because of the promises of God. So I can be passionate about it. And so can you. So can you. Because people are going to let you down. If, if that's where your hope lies, it's not going to last long. But I love what William Carey says this. William Carey, he, he, said, he said that the future is as bright as the promises of God. They are as bright as the promises of God. They're not as bright as your talent and ability. They're not as bright as the potential and the person you're pouring your life in. Your future, their future, our future is as bright as the promises of God. So let our hope be rooted in that. That's what genuine loves do. That's how we are, can be diligently optimistic toward one another in our serving and loving of each other and our city. But there's one more. There's one more. Here it is. We need to share with the saints in their need and then it says, pursue hospitality. Now, those are two different things. Sharing with the needs of the saints, hospitality are two different things. Sharing with the needs of the saints means we, lo- we, we take care of, of each other because we're family. So there shouldn't be a need in the church. When, when Josie, Josie, something's going on with Josie, she needs something, I'm not, well, that's your problem. I've got my own problems to deal with. And that's funny because that's not how you treat family. Well, we are family. Your need is my need, our needs together. Shouldn't be a need in the church. And then that, that loving of each other should spill out into to people outside the community. So genuine love is not just mere talk or emotions. It's, it's tangibly displayed. Now, um, last week, I'm gonna show you a video of someone uh, who was, who we baptized in the city last week. And um, we also baptized her husband. I'm just gonna show you her baptism. Though You'll, you'll see his baptism uh, here in a little bit. And uh, she came to us um, when she, she was 13 weeks pregnant and she got a diagnosis from the doctors of a, her, their baby, her, uh, of a severe uh, chromosomal disorder. And she got a lot of pressure from the doctors to abort the baby because it seemed obviously fatal. And she flipped out from that and she, she actually, she came, she knew someone at Jubilee, so she came to Jubilee and some wonderful sisters uh, got around her, uh, loved her. Also, uh, uh, she got some counseling from a, a Catholic charity as well and the girls in this group got around her, loved her, encouraged her, eventually invited her into the community group. She became a Christian. And then last week at 37 weeks uh, pregnant, which happened last week, we, we, this happened. So why don't we go ahead and show that video? Growing up, I lived in a legalistic, fear-driven, religious culture, and as a result, I was hyper-aware of my need for God and my inadequacy at a young age. 
I sought belonging by trying to be perfect in everything I did. And when life got messy, I left religion because the pressure to be perfect was just killing me. Fast forward to last summer, I found out I was pregnant again right before John left for deployment. And at my first appointment, we were told my baby had several fatal issues and wouldn't survive much longer. I was devastated and I sought out community and I landed here. The women at Jubilee met me in my mess from the first Sunday I attended. They invited us into their homes on their playdates and eventually to a community group. Their vulnerability and the Holy Spirit allowed me to see through the lies that I had believed about God for so long. The focus was never on me. It was always about God's goodness, abundance, and mercy. I began to realize neither my past or my choices dictate my worth in God's eyes, only what Jesus did on the cross. Our little family has been pursued and redeemed over the last year. I'm 37 weeks pregnant and doctors only see two minor defects on our baby that are very treatable. And I stand here today because I finally understand that God is the definition of good. He desires righteousness and belonging for us so much that He took care of it all for us. He has shown me that life, that He is with us through all of our suffering and His heart is to heal. And I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for what He's done in my life and excited about the future. It is our pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. By the way, the, the gentleman who kissed her on the head is her husband and not, not a pastor. Hey, so let me, there's more to the news. She gave birth last week to Camille. Can we show the picture? That's little Camille born um, and born, um, born healthy girl and everything looks great. So man, can we just celebrate that again? I know you clapped already. That's amazing. And that's what happens. All of this is important. Not just one aspect of genuine love. All of it's important. Being honest about what's really going on. It's so critical for you and so critical for the environment that we want to create. Being willing to speak truth. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of messes getting together, creating more messes. And we want to actually speak truth. We want to love each other enough to, to pull someone aside and, and do that. And we want to, we want to be those who, who, who treat each other like family. We're not giving up. We're not, you know, you're not just like you know, some TV channel that we change. We're committed to each other. We're committed to it, regardless of what's on the menu. I know growing up, one of my mom's least favorite questions was, hey, what are we having for dinner? As if like, what, why, if you don't like it, are you gonna go somewhere else and have dinner? Or is that, is that, no, like we eat dinner together regardless of what's on the menu. And you and I treat each other like family, regardless of what's on the menu. The church is not a vendor of religious goods and services. We're, we're a family together. We have, if we're gonna have genuine love, we're gonna be the real thing. We're gonna treat each other that way. We're gonna outdo each other in honor, knowing that everyone in the world is an image bearer of God. And those of us who are part of the family of God have are been bought and purchased by His blood. And we're gonna be, we're gonna be, we're gonna serve each other like crazy with zeal and passion that increases. It doesn't go down, it increases because that passion, that zeal is not rooted in how you perform, 
by me serving you or, or my ability to serve, but it's rooted in the promises of God and, the, and, the, and our future together is as bright as that. And it, we, we need to tangibly express this. It's not enough just to talk about it. It's not enough just to feel it. See someone in need in your group or otherwise, we just go fill that need. They're family. Remind yourself they're family. And let's show hospitality to those outside the community. And let's, let's invite them in. Can you see what can happen when we live this way? A lot of amazing things could happen. Now, with this list, what do you do with this list? Well, I'm sure there's an area of, of weakness. But let me, let me clue you in on how this changes. Why don't you go ahead and stand? This doesn't change because you look at this list. Two things you can do with this list. One is that you can be condemned by it, which is not the intent. Or the other thing is you can use it to condemn someone else. See what it is? Don't do that either. But here's what we can do. See, I told you earlier that Romans 1 through 11 is all about the grace and mercy of God. Um, all of life, by the way, is about the grace and mercy of God. In light of the grace and mercy of God, Paul begins to explain to us how this works. And this is a statement that is so critical for you to understand how for you to be, to love genuinely. It's just what he wrote in verse two of Romans 12. It says, okay, do not be conformed to this world. So the reason why that you don't love that way isn't because you're not a great person, because none of us are. The reason why any of us wouldn't love that way is because to some degree, you're conformed to how the world works. We're, we don't wanna do that anymore. Our confession is the way we used to do things is wrong and we wanna do it a new way. So we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. In order for us to figure this out, we have to be transformed, which means that's not something you can do. But you need to give yourself, you need to give your mind to be transformed. You need to be, you need to be, you need to, to believe and have the scriptures be the authority of your life and then invite the spirit into your life every day to change the way that you think. Because you're perfect and righteous, your spirit is, but your mind still has some old habits that if you don't allow the spirit to renew. So here's how we're gonna end. Whatever area that you feel like, God, I need change there. I need changes. I, I want to be. I want to do relationships well, and I want to love authentically. I don't want to do the veneer version. I want to do the real thing. And here's what we're gonna do: whatever that issue is, just say, God, renew my mind about being transparent. Renew my mind about what it means to speak truth. Renew my mind about what it means that the church is a family. Renew my mind on what it means to show honor to everyone. Renew my mind on having my passion, my zeal my outlook to be rooted in your promises. Renew my mind in leaving margin to contribute practically to other people's lives. Lord Jesus, we just thank you.